Hi, I'm Jamin Mike. I'm a student at First Nations University who is working part-time at University of Regina Press. Welcome to How Books Happen. We're the podcast that's usually all about the joys and challenges of making books. Today, however, is a special episode hosted by me about one of the biggest controversies in years. The acquittal of Gerald Stanley in early February on all charges for the shooting death of Colton Bushy shook the province in Canada. Stanley's family, friends, and supporters applaud it as the right decision. But for most Indigenous people like me, along with many in the non-Indigenous population, the verdict is unjust. Not only that, many of the people say the fact no one is being held accountable for Colton Bushy's killing is just another example of an entire justice system that works in an unjust manner against Indigenous people. People are angry and upset and are polarizing into opposing camps. In the long term, though, that's unsustainable. We have to find a way forward. That's just one of the things my colleagues and I have discussed here at the University of Regina Press since the verdict came down. We want to share some of that discussion with you. And from the strong and diverse team here at the Press, here's what they have to say for the record. My name is Wendy Whitebear, University of Regina Press, business manager. What were your initial thoughts the night of the Stanley verdict? <laughs> I had my initial thoughts was, of course, he got away with it um, because it's happened so many times. I mean, this isn't the first time that uh, a non-Indigenous person uh, got away with it. It's, it's a common practice in our justice system across Canada, never mind Saskatchewan. But in Saskatchewan, it's happened several times uh, where people are found not guilty for the death of an Indigenous person. Um, but then shortly after that, I was mad. As an individual, how were you affected by this? It's basically open season on our people. And our women are afraid. I mean, they're terrified. You know, our kids are being bullied in school. They're treated like subhumans. Um, they're, I mean, to me, that's personally, that's how I feel. I mean, the first time in my life I've walked into a restaurant and everybody in the restaurant became silent because we're visibly, me and my girlfriend, we're visibly uh, Indigenous people. And I was, I would, you know, so that's how it affects me personally, because it affects my mom, my sister, my brothers, my grandchildren. These kinds of things happen. I don't want my grandchildren to grow up in a world where half the population hates you just because of the color of your skin. So what, as a press, can we do to raise awareness on issues like this? Well, one of the biggest reasons why I work at the University of Regina Press is because we publish books that tell the true history of our people. And this is something um, that we really need to do for mainstream society, especially in Canada, um, is for people to really understand the history of our people and to, so they'll understand why it is that the way we are. Um, because of government and church policy created uh, very dysfunctional people, um, the traumas and, and the uh, violence that we've had to go through, I mean, even today, um, resonates amongst our children. And and it gets passed down generation after generation and until people start really hearing what, why we are the way that we are. We are a victim of society and we're a victim of policy. And even though we recognize it, we are not changing policy fast enough. So, I mean, I fear for my grandchildren. You know, I don't want them to go through what I had to go through growing up. 
So this is what the press does, and this is why we're doing the, the blog and why we're doing the podcast, because everybody in this building, in our office, are allies, and they stand beside us because they've had their own struggles that they had to go through, through their diversity and through challenges, and they understand how hard it is to fight policy and to fight the government, even though you know it's the right thing to do. And they understand the hate that is directed towards us. And we didn't ask for that hate. We, we simply by being born, we're hated. So it's, it's, it's a horrible thing. I don't want, like I've said it many, many times, I don't want my grandchildren to have to go through that hate and racism and violence that is perpetrated upon us simply because we exist. One of the things that I truly, truly need the uh, mainstream society in Canada to understand is really start educating yourself. Start paying attention what has really happened to our people. Understand the true history because ignorance is not getting us through any of this. Ignorance is not going to move our nation forward. Ignorance is going to pull us apart and it's going to divide and it's going to cause violence. So we need everyone to understand the true history of our people and take the time to understand what the TRC really is and what those recommendations are. And take one, embrace it, live it, try to help, do something, make one step forward. Every, if everybody looked in the mirror and tried to do one thing positive towards reconciliation in this country, we would be much better off. I'm Karen Clark. I'm the Scholarly Acquisitions Editor at U of R Press, and I um, acquire scholarly manuscripts and put them through scholarly peer review and, and help with the edits and preparations of the manuscripts for production. What were your initial thoughts the night of the Stanley verdict? I was at home. I had heard the CBC announce that there would be a verdict in at 7.30 on uh, Friday night, so I waited to hear it. I'd been following the case. I felt, um, I think, a bit of shock, like many people, and uh, really sad and, and uh, disappointed at first. And then that, I think, changed towards anger <laughs> as the night progressed. I am from rural Saskatchewan. I grew up in Indian Head and um, uh, went to school, high school anyways, with students from Carry the Kettle Reserve uh, just down the road uh, next to Sintaluda, which is a Lakota name. Many of my family members are still in Indian Head, and it is certainly a, a small white community and largely Métis community with interactions with uh, folks from Carry the Kettle and Fort Capel and, and the surrounding neighborhoods. Um, personally, it um, just brought to the light of day the continued racism that exists um, in small towns in Saskatchewan with uh, respect to Indigenous, non-Indigenous relationships. Uh, a lot of the <laughs> sort of quiet conversations that happen uh, have uh, been brought out into the public, I think. So um, it's been difficult for me in terms of being a part of the community that looks and uh, has a similar experience to the Gerald Stanley family in terms of being a white settler farm family. So yeah, I'm having lots of conversations, some of them very difficult with family members, um, more so extended family members. Uh, my immediate family has has really uh, come a long way and, and learned a lot about our 
our role here in clo- with respect to colonialism in Canada. Um, but uh, lots of people still have a ways to go in terms of their journey. And so what could a scholarly publishing house do in moments like these? Yeah, we certainly have a role to play. Um, we can continue to make space and amplify uh, the stories of First Nation, Métis, and Inuit peoples. We can continue to ensure that non-Indigenous writers who are writing about Indigenous peoples or history that uh, um, involves Indigenous relations, that we have Indigenous um, peer reviewers, Indigenous readers, uh, involved in the creation and and writing of those stories. As the scholarly acquisitions editor, I've been thinking of my time is spent well, I think, in continuing to make sure that my Indigenous authors on my list get my attention and my support. Um, they'll be professors <laughs> uh, soon in the academy, these young Indigenous authors um, teaching and bringing up the next generation, and, and that in itself, I think, will be one of the best methods towards decolonization and reconciliation and change. Uh, My name is Duncan Noel Campbell, and my role here at the press is art director and principal designer. I design all of the books and look after the, the visual presence of the press. So what were your initial thoughts the night of the Stanley verdict? Oh. I was in utter shock when I... At the beginning of the trial, I was paying a lot of attention. And it became so obvious to me that it was, there was no question he would be charged for at least manslaughter, that I, that I stopped paying attention. I would see posts on Facebook from friends of mine, indigenous activists who would be you know, talking about it and, and mentioning things. And I guess in my sort of, com- from my comfortable, privileged white person place, I just assumed everything was going to work out in a just way. It, it felt like a punch in the gut when I saw that he was acquitted of all charges. It didn't even get manslaughter. It, and I was in shock. I was in total shock. I remember crying. I remember going back and checking to see that I'd seen it right. And then there was the flood of comments on Facebook and Twitter from people talking about their outrage. And then a lot of indigenous people posting things that they knew all along this is how it was going to go. And that sort of hit me in the gut too when I realized that from my place of privilege, I was still trusting in the justice system and that the justice system in Canada is not fair for everyone. It is not just for everyone. And I'm still upset about it. I'm I'm still taking it pretty hard. I can't imagine how Colton Bushy's family must feel or how Indigenous people must feel. It certainly has got to be a lot worse than what's happening to me. And as an ally, as somebody who believes in justice and fairness and humanity, I've been trying to figure out ways that I can help. 
Uh, my name is Kelly Laycock, and I'm the new managing editor for the U of R Press. Um, so I, I work with the books from through the production side of things, from editorial through to production. What were your initial thoughts the night the Stanley verdict came out? Um, well, it's sort of unbelievable. Um, from everything that I had heard or read, um, it seemed, well, I mean, you only ever know what is in the papers, so it's just sort of unbelievable that the courts would uh, um, would fail so many people in this way. It, um, it seems to me that there's a real need for change in the courts um, in terms of juries, jury selection and that sort of thing, and, uh, and this case really brought it to the front of everyone's mind, I think. So as an individual, how does this impact you upon going out into the Saskatchewan community and interacting with the public? Well, as a white person, I'm, I'm not sure that it affects me personally that way. Um, I certainly am more aware of the racism that is around me now. I just feel that cases like this really bring it up for everyone and there's a real divide apparently and that's surprising to me because it, it isn't part of my life and I do my best to um, be welcoming to everyone and to you know listen to everyone's voices and all of that and so when these things come up it, um, it shocks me that there are people with such different views from me and, uh, and I find it really disgraceful in a lot of ways. Uh, my name is Sean Perpick and I am the trades editor at University of Regina Press. And what were your initial thoughts the night of the Stanley verdict? I, I was really troubled uh, by that. My background goes into journalism and I happened to be sitting with a old friend of mine who also worked with me at the CBC where I started working about 30 years ago and we were both appalled. It just it didn't seem right, and uh, it just didn't sit right with either of us. I was thinking about this afterwards, and uh, I come from a background a lot like uh, the people uh, who live around the Battlefords. I come from a, a farm background in rural Saskatchewan. I think I know these people that uh, were involved in the jury. I, you know, I grew up with the kind of people that, uh, that the accused that were similar to the accused guy, Mr. Stanley. So, you know, I think I know a bit of the mindset there. And, you know, part of the story is that our province is changing. And there are a lot of people in the rural countryside that are unsettled by change. And so over and above all the other issues involved, I think that's what's driving this. People are resenting the fact that the ethnic makeup of the province is changing and and that the rural countryside is emptying out and you know so that that's that's kind of the subtext to what's going on here. I do think that racism is a factor and that really disturbs me. Um, I think that an injustice was done. I hope that the, that the, this is appealed. 
on the cases heard. Again, I also hope there's a public inquiry. And when I think back to the past, and I know my colleague I was talking to, we've been reporting in this province for 40 years, we think a lot of the Leo Lachance case in uh, Prince Albert in the 1990s. And that was an unjust situation where a, an indigenous man was murdered by a neo-Nazi. Now, it's not as flagrant, and the facts are very different, but there's enough troubling things involved, the composition of the jury, um, the background, perhaps, of the judge, and other factors that make, make me think, and I know a lot of other people in my position think, that this needs to be looked at again by by the law, and it needs to be looked at at a more political level in, in a public inquiry, because uh, it just doesn't sit right with me. As a press employee, as a trades editor, what do you think a publishing company can do to address moments like these or to even assist in moving forward in moments like these? I hope that we can find a way to respond to it. Uh, I know this podcast is an important first step. I'm, I hope that in the not-too-distant future we can publish people's responses to this because I know this is a very deep and powerful issue that a lot of people have very strong views on on all sides of the issue. And I hope longer term as the press that so we can look at some of the really fundamental things that are going on in this province in terms of the administration of our justice system. So I hope that we have good books that we can can bring to the public uh, in the not-too-distant future that really go into depth about the issues that underlay what happened with, uh, with Mr. Bushy. And, you know, if we can work towards a state where the majority uh, of this province uh, sort of embrace the, the future that's coming, and the future is coming inevitably uh, in, in Saskatchewan. It's, gonna, it's, it's a very dr dramatically different place than it was when I started in journalism, and it's going to be even more radically different in the next 20 or 30 years. So if you can bring the majority of Saskatchewan's population around to these more progressive attitudes and, and U of R Press can help bring that about, I think that's the best we can hope for. Mm -hmm. We'll never have an ideal world, but we can certainly have a lot better Saskatchewan. And, it, you know, what I would call the new Saskatchewan, it's on its way. So my name is Mazen Safu, and I'm uh, an editorial assistant here at the Press. Um, so yeah, so I work in, uh, uh, so I help the acquisitions editor and trade editor with anything they might need and um, also in the production um, side of things as well. So getting manuscripts ready for like peer reviews or for, um, for InDesign, that kind of thing. After digesting it, I am shocked that, that this is, uh, that, uh, about the result um, of the case. Um, and at the same time, I, you know, it does, I think, open up the questions about our, like, the legacy of colonialism and racism in our province, in our country. Definitely, I think that that is, that was a part of verdict, you know, in the sense that I do think that that was part of what happened, of Stanley, you know, um, grabbed a gun when he saw um, Colton. And, yeah, and I think that, that that was his immediate, that was his first instinct, I think, indicates that that history of, of colonialism, that history of projected fear um, of Indigenous people. And yeah, I think that that was definitely a part of it myself. So how, like as an individual, does it impact you now, like, you know, coming out of your house, going into the public? As an individual, I think, I think about just growing up here um, in Saskatchewan as well and thinking about, um, well, about the racism 
that um, towards Indigenous people that I've witnessed growing up and places I've worked in the past and in school, even family and that kind of thing, right? I just really feel it's important that we really um, take a good look at ourselves and that history of colonialism, that history of, of prejudice and really try to um, break down those barriers and try to um, empathize with the victims in this case. And, and I think we really need to have those conversations going forward. So um, I think that's crucial. I think it's, it's very important. Hi, I'm Morgan Tunzelman. I'm the sales and marketing manager with the University of Regina Press. So I develop the marketing strategies for the books and oversee the publicity as well. Um, my initial thoughts on hearing the Bushi verdict. My, uh, my husband and I had been out for dinner. It was a Friday night. And for some reason that I, I thought that um, the verdict wasn't going to come down until Monday, so I wasn't really thinking about it. And we um, we stood up and left, and we went to get in the car, and he had checked his phone, and he turned to me and he said, I just found out something really terrible. And I was like, what? Like, is is something going on with your family? And he goes, no, the, the Bushi verdict, it was not guilty. And um, I just thought, well, that that's terrible and we just kind of rode home in silence so um I think um yeah I think it affected a lot of people and you could tell by his reaction to it that uh definitely that was the case now how does this affect you as individual like what do you see difference after the verdict was released I think the biggest difference that I see is um people not only within Saskatchewan or within the activist community who are always very tuned into the uh the injustice of the Bushi verdict are now starting to share on social media and post about it. Um, so I think that that is probably the most heartening side of it, because I really do believe that if there is any hope at remediation or appeal or any kind of hope for justice for the Bushi family, it's going to come from national pressure rather than pressure within the province. I don't think that there's been any fundamental change, but I think that for people who may have been kind of maybe cocooned in urban centers or cocooned in a certain group of friends who have more uh, progressive tendencies, suddenly really see starkly in a way that they hadn't before. Um, because, you know, if you're, if you're white and you have white privilege, then it's easy to ignore. But I think a lot of people really do see now the extent of the racism and the extent of the work that we have to do. I'm uh, Bruce Walsh, director and publisher of University of Regina Press. And uh, I was actually horrified when I saw the results. Um, and the reason being that in order for justice to be done, it needs to be seen to be done. And in this case, uh, to, from my perspective anyway, and clearly I'm not alone, uh, you know, when, the, when it appeared to be an all-white jury, uh, taking the evidence, the slightest, the slimmest of evidence about the ability of a gun to go off on its own, and I've talked with a lot of people about this since then, and it really doesn't happen very often. If at all. I mean, there's a possibility of it happening, 
But that was, they picked up on that possibility and that became the reason why he got off. And to me, that didn't seem right. Um, it, now, if the jury was was uh, diverse with, with First Nations people, I mean, the community is 40% Indigenous. Um, if, 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 if it was a mixed jury and they came to the same conclusion, I would feel differently about it. But in this case, you know, the, the notion of it seemed to be doing justice wasn't there. And so I have to say that I was shocked that the, both the Prime Minister and the Minister of Justice jumped in right away and said what, what they said. Yet on the other hand, I thought it was appropriate uh, because so many people are upset about this. And uh, I have, um, you know, I have a couple thousand followers on Facebook. And and for the most part, my followers are, are not, or my friends are, are not Indigenous people. It's people I've known throughout my entire life. And everyone is upset. I mean, within my world, I understand I live in a ghetto, you know, like we all exist in our own little worlds. But, you know, from people from across the country, um, were extraordinarily upset about what happened. And the fact that the government jumped in right away to me uh, has sent a very positive signal. Um, And so that was my initial reaction. So how does this case impact you on an individual level, like more of your personal life, coming out of your home, interacting with the public? Like, what is your immediate response to what you see in the public? Well, you know, my whole experience was uh, formed around being gay. And uh, I came of age in the in the 70s. It was not a cool time. I mean, I was suicidal at 11. And so my understanding of the world really is sort of uh, comes through that prism of, of what happened to both myself and my quote unquote gay community uh, and 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 understanding very intimately uh, what repression and oppression feels like and looks like and I have uh, but very involved as an activist going back to my you know my early 20s and my whole life, uh, and and starting with uh, lesbian and gay issues, and and then working uh, with homeless people, and uh, working with all different groups of people, because I see how uh, how how these things impact people um, in different ways, and so uh, and so as a Canadian, and so I come at this as a Canadian, I've seen I've seen uh, firsthand how. The colonialism has created the structure of this country and how colonialism has been so absolutely damaging to the first peoples of this country. And therefore, as somebody with a lot of privilege, you know, I came through a tough time and and, and sort of graduated into another part of the world because of the activism that we have done. I've seen how things can change in a very positive way. And I understand uh, that that can happen for First Nations people, Indigenous people in Canada, if we have enough goodwill. And it seems like we're getting to the point where people understand what happened. I mean, that's why I'm in this business of, of uh, storytelling and publishing books, because we're telling the stories of the censored stories of the country. So that started with me as a, as a the love that dare not speak its name, you know, as a young uh, homosexual child, and then, and then ending up fighting uh, uh, for freedom of expression for my community, both in the courts and on the streets. I've been involved with some pretty 
seminal court cases and 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 winning the ability to tell our stories. And so for me to come here five years ago to Regina and start University of Regina Press was an opportunity to take my skills and use them to tell stories uh, that we haven't heard in Canada before. And the first book we published at University of Regina Press, Clearing the Plains, is referenced all over the place here because it finally told a story about the country that was telling the truth. And it has changed the narrative of the country. And, uh, you know, as Wendy Whitebeer in the office says, she said, this is the story of my people. You know, so we are doing as much as we can to tell those stories so that we change the narrative for the country. So I believe that things can get better. Um, and um, because there's a lot of goodwill coming to play, at, uh, you know, even the response to this, this uh, injustice from my perspective uh, is, is, uh, is a positive thing. I've lived in five different provinces in Canada, Nova Scotia, Quebec, Ontario, Saskatchewan, and in Alberta. And the reality is, is that it's no different anywhere. Uh, you know, there are bigots everywhere. I remember growing up in Nova Scotia, I always used to wonder why all the black people live next to the dump growing up. Then I found out that the white communities built the dumps next to the black communities. You know, so, and, and I mean, you look at the history of Nova Scotia, it has a terrible racist past. Uh, Quebec, I mean, Quebec is the only place I've ever lived where I've heard the N-word used. You know, Ontario. I remember I moved to Ontario and I was um, standing at a hotel in London, Ontario, and there was a black woman who was cleaning my room. And we started to talk and it turned out she was from Nova Scotia. And she said, you know, and, and she was actually trained as a... Um, uh, in computers. She had a she had a background in IT and she couldn't get a job. She said she would keep getting job interviews and then she'd show up and people would ask her if this was her really her resume. And she said that she was decided that she was going to move back to Nova Scotia because at least there, if people were racist, they would tell you to your face as opposed to pretending they weren't. And so I found that everywhere. You know, so Saskatchewan has its own unique problems, uh, but it's got a universal problem. You know, there are there are good people and there are bad people everywhere, and and so I wouldn't say that Saskatchewan is unique. And 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 I mean, the way in which this is playing itself out is unique to Saskatchewan um, because it's getting revealed here. Uh, but I think the story of racism and bigotry is universal and. It needs to get played out in its own special way in every region of the country because nowhere is immune from, uh, from, from prejudice. I'm Jamin Mike. The victim, Colton Bushi, whom we should never forget, was about my age. This verdict hit me very hard, as I am a Willow Cree nearing the North Battleford community. My feelings on this do run deep, and let me share some of my concerns with you. Thinking towards the Stanley verdict, that night I was watching, both my partner and I were sitting there, and we are watching the live tweets flow in, and we had Jason Warwick, he was there reporting live at the courthouse, and I was in just utter disgust when the verdict came out. And as an Indigenous person myself, and as a young Indigenous man the same age of, as Colton Bushi, in that same age range, I was shocked because, you know, that could have been me. That could have been my brother, that could have been my younger cousin, that could have been anyone. 
I've grown up in the area and I'm very familiar with, you know, the tensions that arise between Indigenous and non-Indigenous, especially with, you know, the rural and urban communities and the differences between that. And so I was really, I honestly didn't have words. I was very shocked and I was very angry. And there's just a flood of emotions that I couldn't handle. Honestly, I'm still dealing with because, you know, like a part of this verdict coming out is just also a reminder of, you know, the danger I face going into society. I love going to round dances and social gatherings, but now I'm afraid to do that in the North Battleford area because now if I get a flat tire, well, I might as well just sit there and freeze to death in the middle of the winter rather than to go face violence and to be shot. And that's how I feel about it. That's what I think about that now. Well, just based off of what my grandmother used to tell me back from, you know, the 40s, 50s, and 60s, you know, she grew up in the past system. She grew up in the residential school. And so the race, race relations, you know, there was no, there was no relations. It was complete segregation in those times in the past. Coming to today, though, it's, it's healing. And it's becoming better and it's becoming more unified. But at the same time, there's so much hidden racism. There's so much hidden behind these profiles of social media, behind the faces, there's these hidden people. And honestly, in my opinion, as an Indigenous person, I say, in some cases, there's a bit of misunderstanding and miscommunication between Indigenous and non-Indigenous peoples on both, on both parts. And that I can say that, you know, if we're to be able to go into the same page and to understand and be in, in you know, take the initiative of being informed, then hopefully that, you know, the race relations will become a lot better and more easier to reconcile. <laughs>